As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. And my friends, tonight we're going to talk about the works of the flesh. <laughs> you know, I have a funny story. Years ago, we had a friend that was taking a group of Americans through the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. The Hermitage is the winter palace that was used by the Romanov family who were the czars of Russia. And there was a person in the Hermitage, a woman. If you go to the Hermitage, it's filled with cats who get, make sure there's no mice and elderly women who are like the caretakers of every room. They're stationed in every room. So our friend was taking this group of Americans through the Hermitage and they were taking pictures of palaces and <laughs> gold and chairs and precious gems. <laughs> and they were taking pictures with a flash. <clears throat> and the little woman that was stationed in this one room said, no flesh, no flesh. <laughs> and it kind of became a joke in our ministry that when somebody gets ugly, Rather than say no flesh, we say no flesh, no flesh. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the works of the flesh. We don't want to move in the works of the flesh because it's bad. But you need to get the whole series, which I just enjoyed teaching so much. And it's on the regular program this week. It's called the works of the flesh, flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. You choose death-permeated works, or supernatural life-giving fruit. I've made my choice. I want to produce supernatural life-giving fruit in my life, and I know that you want that too, and so does Denise and Paulina and Paul. But hey, order yours by going online or give us a call and get the study guide that goes with it. And Paul, what do you have there? I have Sparkling Gems number one, and I've already opened it to July 14th because that's where we are right now in Galatians chapter five. So if you have Sparkling Gems and you do not have the study guides, you can go ahead and open Sparkling Gems number one, which is almost identical to the study guides, but the study guide has more. I've been checking. And by the way, the study guide's free. Yes. You can just download the study guide. Just go to renner.org and download it. It's amazing. And Paul, what's the other one? So if you already have Sparkling Gems number one, then you need to go to renner.org to get Sparkling Gems number two, or vice versa. If you have number two and don't have number one, go to renner.org because we're offering these books this week. And although they may seem huge, they are big, uh, they're very easy to read because you only read one chapter a day. It's like a daily devotional. You choose to spend time with the Lord. All right, let's go to Galatians 5. You guys ready? I've got something. All right. It is our unlikely, and, and it's in the office now. Wait, 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 wait. What is that? It's our autobiography okay. of our faith-filled journey to the ends of the earth called Unlikely, and you wrote it. Yes, I did. It's a thousand pages. And there are 90 pages of pictures. I think you're really going to enjoy it. You know, somebody said, why did you write it now at this young age in your life? Because it took a thousand pages just to tell that part. <laughs> I didn't want to write a 5,000 page book. But that book, I'm telling you, it's riveting. And if you feel like God's called you to do something, you don't know if you can do it, just read that. You'll find out you can do anything God calls you to do. Amen. Amen. But hey, let's go to Galatians 5. And tonight we're going to read verse 16 and then jump right to verse 19. And in Galatians 5, 16, Paul says, This I say then, 
walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are these. Now we've already seen that in verse 16, Paul says, this I say then, the Greek says lego day. He's giving them an alternative. He already said in verse 15, if you get in the flesh, you're going to bite, devour each other. It's going to be an ugly picture. And my friend, I think everybody in our home group already knows if you get in the flesh, it really is an ugly picture. So in verse 16, Paul says, you don't have to be the victim of your flesh. You don't have to let your flesh just boss you around and tell you what to do. He says in verse 16, this I say, then the Greek says, lego day. Lego means nice day, emphatically, categorically. And he's offering us the alternative, walk in the spirit. And the word walk, the Greek word peripatel, which means to walk around in one general vicinity all the time until you learn to leisurely stroll in that realm. It becomes your realm of operation and habitation. And it could be translated live in the spirit, which means this isn't hit and miss every once in a while. You can literally live in the spirit. And he says, if you live in the spirit, you will not. The Greek says, ume, emphatically, you will not in no wise fulfill. The word fulfill in Greek, the word teleo, which means to gratify or to bring to fulfillment the lusts of the flesh. And guys, we saw last night that the flesh has lust. And according to the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, the flesh has a mind. He talks about the mind of the flesh. And that word mind that is used is dianoia. It describes a mind that is thoroughly penetrated. The flesh has a mind of its own. It wants total control, and it wants to manifest its desires, its work. And that's what we're going to see next in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh. Here's what they are. They're manifest. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. That is the work of the flesh. Now, last night, Denise, I told kind of a notorious story from our past of when I was in a car that hit a man and killed him. I was not the driver. It was not even our car. It was a rented car and a rented driver. And I had in the back seat two very world-famous preachers with me. And we were driving through Riga when a man decided to commit suicide. Now, what would be the chances? He would choose our car. <laughs> he chose our car. He jumped in front of us as we were driving at a regular speed. I can remember, I can, I can still visually see something just going in front of the car and hearing the car hit that man's body. I can still hear it. Knocked him over into the oncoming traffic in the other lane. Our driver put on the brakes. Everybody around us on the street stopped to see what was happening. And I watched as five oncoming cars drove over that man's body. And I saw his body just flopping and oh, it was just awful under those cars. Well, we were getting ready to start a major, major convention and I didn't want the cameras and the news people to show up and report that world-famous preachers had killed a man. 
So before I did anything else, I got a taxi, put them in the taxi, sent them to their hotel to get them out of there. And while everybody was standing around looking at this man whose body was squashed, I walked across the street where there was a policeman who was already there because he had been directing traffic that day. And he knew me from television. And I said, may I please go and pray for that man? And he laughed at me. He literally laughed at me. Nobody checked on the man. He just laid there in the street. He said, he's dead, but if you want to pray, just do what you want to do if you want to pray for him. Well, guess what? He was not dead. He was breathing. I looked into his face. I can still see it. Unshaven, disheveled. He had on a neck brace. There was something wrong with his neck. The lines in his face so deep, I thought he was at least 75 years old. And he died. But he looked to me like a man who had just lived such an out-of-control life. Just horrible, the look in that man's face. Well, several days later, the police called and said, we want to interview you so we can document what happened. And since you were sitting in the front seat when it took place, we need your testimony. So they came to our office, and here's what they said. We would like to talk to you about the 25-year-old man that your car hit. I said, what? They said, we want to talk to you about the 25-year-old man that your car hit. I said, how old? 25 years old. I almost couldn't hear anything else the police said to me. I thought, how can a 25-year-old look like that? I thought the man was 75 years old. And my mind went to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, now the works of the flesh. And I thought, you know what? If you let the flesh have its way, it'll make you old early. It will make a healthy person sick. It will make a fit person unfit. It will make a person that God wants to bless have ulcers. The flesh always goes to the worst extreme. And Paul called it the work of the flesh. The word work is the word arrogant. It describes hard labor. To walk in the flesh is the hardest thing you can do. It produces such a mess. Such a mess. And we were talking about this just before home group. And Paulina, you made an amazing statement. Yeah, as I was listening to your story, it made me think not only um, flesh, but the sin, the power of sin in somebody's life. And unbelievers, they have no power over sin. But the Lord gave us power over sin. He bought us out of the slave market. That redemption, that's the salvation. So, and we are now not slaves of the sin. It means that we don't have to give in to the flesh. And I remember as I, when I was saved, and I heard so many stories just like mine. Uh, I was saved when I was 11 years old, and it changed my nature. Tell them how you got saved. Well, uh, when I was eight years old, I found a track about Jesus on the Red Square in a trash can. And, and I picked it up, and I came home, and I read everything. And the salvation prayer was at the bottom of this track, and I gave my life to the Lord. Can I say something? Yes. That track was produced by our friend Terry Law. Yes. Before we ever moved to Russia, my, our friend Terry Law, that many of you probably know, produced 
and help distribute the tracts all over Russia. It's called the Jesus Tract. That Paulina found, and here she is, Paul's wife, and our daughter-in-law. Yes. That's that, amazing how God works. Yes, the power of the gospel. You know, we don't have to underestimate the power that, like, the written word, the TV programs, and everything that is available right now, uh, social media that can bring the word and the gospel to people's lives that will bring them to salvation like it did in my life. And so when I was 11 years old, Bible school students knocked on our door, and I was discipled, not only saved, but I was discipled and my life was transformed. And I was taught that, you know, we need to read the word and spend time with the Lord. And when I did, it really changed my, like, desires. Uh, salvation changes your desires, so you no longer desire what you desired before. And I heard, like, from the Bible school students how when they got saved, uh, this man was smoking, and he stopped smoking like overnight because he didn't want to do it anymore. And so salvation and the power of the gospel gives you, um, changes your desire and gives you power over sin and, um, and then transforms your mind. So the more we spend time in the Word of God and in the presence of God, it changes our desires and it gives us power over sin. And we can really make a choice. Yes. And you don't have to wait till you get older to learn how to walk in the Spirit. You know, whenever you guys were younger and William was a little bitty boy, Mom and I will never forget something William said. He was behaving really badly. I want to tell that story. We told him to change his behavior and listen to what William said. How old was William? Maybe five about or... About five. We took he and his younger sister, Anya, out for the whole day. And uh, um, William was absolutely perfect on that day. And we were with them for hours. And I said to William at the end, I said, William, you were so obedient. And he said, well, I made a decision. And I said, well, what was it? He said, well, he said, I have two buttons. That's literally what he said. I have two buttons. He said, he said, uh, this is my obedience button, and this is my disobedience button. So I decided to turn off my disobedience button and turn on my obedience button. And he said, so I was obedient all day. And he was five years old. He was already saved. <laughs> he was yeah. five years old. And was already learning that he had the, ch the, the choice to be ugly or to be nice, to walk in the flesh or to walk in the spirit. And we can all make that choice. Yeah. And with William especially, we all saw the difference in his behavior when he gave his life oh. to Jesus. It was like day and night, before and after. It was such radical change in his life. And then, and, and they used to fight with Anya all the time when they were little. Oh, yeah, we remember. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> we tried everything and we talked to them. But I think when Anya really gave her life to the Lord when she was maybe 10, 11 years old, like not only because we taught her so, but she really committed her life to God. It changed um, their uh, relationship so much. Now they're best friends, they hang out with each other all the time, they share their secrets, they spend time together, watch movies together. It really not only transformed her life, but it changed their relationship. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. well, let's see what the flesh does if you let the flesh just have its way. 
in Galatians 5:19, it says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Everybody say manifest. Manifest. What does that mean? The word manifest means to appear. The works of the, of the flesh will appear. That's what it means. Or it can be translated to manifest, to become visible, to become apparent, to become seen, to become well-known, or even better, this is the best translation. Now, the works of the flesh are conspicuous in the following ways. How? Look at it. Verse 19 to 21. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. But tonight, we're just going to be looking at the first four, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Let's talk about adultery and fornication. Well, guess what? You guys, I got such a shock. Now, there is a difference between adultery and fornication. They're very different. Fornication can be committed by anybody married or unmarried, but adultery is only committed by people that are married. But when you read this in the Greek, it doesn't say adultery and fornication. It doesn't say that. There's just one word here. It's the Greek word porneia, mm. which includes all sexual activity outside of marriage, all, including adultery and homosexuality. So it's one word that includes all of it. And I have to also say that the word porneia, do you hear another word? What do you hear? Pornography. Pornography. Pornography is a compound of two Greek words, pornas and the word grapho. The word grapho means to write. The word pornos is the word for illicit relationships. Pornography is written adultery. It is written fornication. That's what it is. But the Bible says it will manifest. And it connects it to the word uncleanness. The word uncleanness is from the Greek word kephairo, which means to be pure or to be cleansed. But when you put an A on the front, it means to be impure to be impure, and it refers, listen to this, to lewd or unclean thoughts that eventually produce lewd and unclean actions. And it's very interesting when you come to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 1, verse 23, says there was in their synagogue a man with a what? Unclean spirit. Same word, uncleanness, mm -hmm. lewdness. It's always connected to something sexual. This was a man in the synagogue. The Greek implies probably a foremost individual in the synagogue. But behind the scenes, in his head, he had uncleanness going on. And when you come to Mark 5, verse 2, you find the same thing. The demoniac of Gadara. And when he was come out of the ship, Jesus, and met, there met him out of the tomb as a man with a what? Unclean spirit. The same Greek word, unclean. Some kind of lewd thinking going on inside that man. And in both of those, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 5, these men ended up possessed with uncleanness. Probably began with just a little manifestation of the flesh, looking at something they shouldn't look at, and then it began to be their obsession until finally they were completely taken with it. And this leads me to think of Romans 6.16, which says, Know ye not? that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are you 
to whom you obey. If you surrender to uncleanness, it will obsess you and possess you. Begins with just a little work of the flesh, it begins something, becomes something that's all-consuming. But then, in Galatians 5.19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, the Greek word porneia, all kinds of sexual relationships out of marriage, it doesn't matter what it is. Uncleanness, which has to do with unclean thoughts, lewd actions, which lead to all kinds of ungodly behavior. And then it mentions lasciviousness. Then he said, I remember reading that word lasciviousness growing up thinking, what in the world is lasciviousness? I couldn't even say it. I had to learn how to say it. What is lasciviousness? It sounds terrible, but what in the world is it? Well, it's a Greek word, asylgeia. The word asylgeia refers to excess. Excess of all kind, but primarily. Okay, here we go. If I'm stepping on your toes, please forgive me. The word lasciviousness, the Greek word asylgeia, primarily refers to the excessive consumption of food or wild, undisciplined living that is especially marked by unbridled sex. Now here's what's really convicting. This word asylgeia is listed in 2 Peter 2.6 as the principal sin of Sodom and Gomorrah and the reason that God overthrew them. The word asylgeia describes unbridled sex or the excessive consumption of food which means in the mind of God, it is just as perverted to overeat as it is to have wild, unbridled sexual activities in your life. That's what the word asylgeia means. So how does that make you feel about overeating? I watch a TV program about people that are excessively obese people that are more than 600 pounds heavy. And when I watch these programs, I watch them in amazement because they know that it's killing them and they're massive. They can't even get out of the bed. They can't even walk. It's fatal to their existence and yet they keep eating and eating and eating. I'm not in judgment of anybody. I, I lost 100 pounds a couple years ago because I had lasciviousness working in my life. I was excessively eating. So how could I be judgmental? But I'm telling you, the flesh will drive you to an extreme that will kill you. It's laborious. The flesh produces bad fruit. This word lasciviousness means excess, including the excessive consumption of food. You see, you might be reading this list and you think, well, I don't commit adultery. I don't have hatred. I don't have witchcraft. Well, do you have the excessive consumption of food? That is a work of the flesh that's manifesting in your life. But then, when you come to Galatians 5, 19 to 21, it continues. And it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And then he goes on. But remember what he said in verse 16? This I say then. It's so powerful. Hey, here's an alternative. You don't have to do it. This I say emphatically, categorically, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Which means if you choose 
And remember what I said, there's three parts of you. You are a spirit, you live in a body. Your soul, I say, lies in the middle and your soul makes the choice of which part of you is gonna dominate. If you choose to surrender to the spirit, the spirit will rise to a place of preeminence. If you choose not to do that, your flesh will rise to a place of preeminence. You have to choose which part of you dominates. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Because if you choose wrong, you're going to produce hard labor that's going to kill you and be destructive. If you choose wisely and shift into the Spirit, you'll produce fruit and your life will become so marvelous that it's like a big bowl of fruit. Everybody will sit around the table and they'll want to partake of your life because it's just so luscious. And Paul says, this I say then, you can do it. We're out of time. But guys, when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to look at the next works of the flesh. Are you ready? Yeah. Hey, Paul, you've been mighty quiet. Oh, you've been talking a lot, and Polina got to talk a little bit. <laughs> she sure did. No. But hey, thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.